Good morning. I'm glad you chose to join us today. Today's date is May 24th, 2020. I would like to receive communion with you or invite you to receive communion with us today. Uh, so if you would prepare some bread and juice and have it available for towards the end of the sermon, we will receive the elements together. Today's title is called To Walk Humbly Before Your God. My text is, starts in uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, the last part of that. And I will again be reading out the NIV. That's 1 Peter chapter 5, starting at 5b. Realize that Peter just finished a, a great discourse on uh, submission. And uh, then he adds, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that your word does not go out and come back void. Lord, the power of your word, and I just ask that you would uh, sow and fill us with your presence right now. That we would be able to uh, grasp what you're trying to say, the instructions that you're trying to give us through the writings of Peter. But Lord, I just ask more than that we would just get some head knowledge. But Father, we would take it to heart. We would apply it to our lives. Father, may it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember fondly the times Kathy and I spent attending a singles Bible study when, uh, where we would sing together around a guitar and they would play several songs, and we enjoyed them all. But one song that really ministered to me was Micah 6, 8. Uh, the title was taken from the said verse, Michael 6, 8. It was sung in rounds, but it goes, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what the Lord requires of you to act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It goes along with our text quite nicely. What does the Lord require of you? 
It's quite simple to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. The phrase that I read in, in verse 5, the phrase to clothe yourself with humility, it's not a false humility, which is quite sickening when you have to endure these acts of humility. But to clothe yourself with humility is to put it on much like you would a jacket. In simplest terms, for humility, it is to put others' needs and desires before yourselves. Peter he is quoting from Proverbs 3.34, which gives us plenty of reasons to clothe ourselves with humility, and that is God is in opposition to the proud. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Please note here that it is... a. Uh, not always going to be easy. Humility is, is not our natural reaction, but it is a decision. It's an act of the will, much like putting on a jacket when it's cold outside. Quite honestly, sometimes I only wear a jacket to church when it's cold outside is because I know there is a lady in the church who will ask me, where's your coat? It's a choice. It's a decision. It's an act of the will. Put on humility. Put others before yourself under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. There's another part of humility that Peter addresses. It's an ex it is accepting God's sovereignty in your life. I preached on it. Peter touches on it uh, several times throughout these short chapters. Again, I, I repeat, this is not our natural tendency. Our natural tendency is to want to do everything ourselves, to be self-sufficient, to be in control, which leads to worry, stress. Uh, it's all because we choose to take on these struggles by ourselves. All of our natural tendencies equals not trusting fully in God. In one word, it is pride. Peter tells us to cast all your anxieties on him, on God, because he cares for you. It takes humility to turn everything, and I mean literally throw all your anxieties over to God and trust that he cares. Piece of cake, right? I say that in gist. Not really. But you can choose to. It's a choice. It's a decision. Although we are to cast all of our anxieties and cares in God's control, Peter tells us we still need to be self-controlled and alert. Why, you might ask? Because Peter says in, in verse 8, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That enemy has several names, but Peter, but Peter just calls him devil. The devil hates all things God. You just need to know that. You might call him, if you will, an arch enemy of God. Therefore, the devil hates Christ followers as well. He's our enemy, period. 
Peter describes him as a roaring lion looking for an opportunity to make a kill, looking for some unsuspecting, unaware meal. Easy pickings are always preferred, but they will work at it if they have to. June 1, 2015, an American couple were taking a drive through the South African safari casually taking in all the sights and sounds of the wild, when all of a sudden a lion leaps through the window and mauls a woman to death. Following the headlines, it simply says, because that's what lions do. Ignored the signs to keep the windows up and became easy pickings. Tragic, without a doubt. And I will most definitely keep my windows up the next time I drive through a wild animal safari. And I think you will too. We know lions attack sick, the young, struggling animals. They choose victims who are alone and, and are not alert. Lions prowl, prowl quietly, watching and waiting, suddenly pouncing when their victims least expect it. Peter is addressing Christians who are experiencing extreme suffering. As of our date today, we are experiencing a worldwide pandemic in which we have not realized the extent. During times such as these, Peter warns believers to be alert for Satan, especially in times of suffering and persecution seeking whom he can attack and defeat. When believers feel alone, weak, helpless, and cut off from other believers, they can become so focused on their troubles that they forget to watch out for danger. In those times, believers are especially vulnerable to Satan's attack. Oftentimes, at a person's weakest moment, temptation, fear, Loneliness, worry, or depression. Satan attacks like a roaring lion. Therefore, Christ followers, Peter is telling us to always be alert for Satan's tricks. Verse 9, resist him, Peter tells us. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. There's one passage I always loved. It's James 4, 7 and 8, where it says to resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Resist Satan and draw close to God, standing firm in the faith. The Apostle Paul gives similar advice when he tells Christ followers in Ephesians 6, 13 and 14 to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, Paul says, stand firm then. We have an obligation to actively prepare in every way the Spirit leads and then, and then take our stand. That is not to say we enter the battle in our own strength, but to do everything spiritually possible to stand in the strength of the Lord. Be praying. Be in the Word. 
have devotions, be in contact with Christian friends. By doing everything spiritually possible, stand firm then in the knowledge that God will meet your every need. Then you will witness every miracle by God to accomplish his perfect purpose in your life. Sometimes it feels like you're all alone and that no one else has ever gone through the same trials that you have, the same hurts, the tribulations. But that's only a mind game the enemy, the devil, wants you to believe. After Peter tells us to resist Satan to stand and then to stand firm in the faith, he tells us that we are not alone in our sufferings. Because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings, verse 9 tells us. Isn't it comforting to know that you're not alone? That someone else has or is experiencing it with you, like you, the same way as you? When I was in boot camp for the United States Navy, I got through it, reminding myself that thousands of men have gone before me. It helps to know that you are not going through it alone. You are not the only one who lost a family member. You are not the only one who have lost your jobs, homes, health, or anything else. We are not the only ones who are experiencing COVID-19. You are not alone. The world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I know that when you are suffering, one feels that as though the pain will never end. I know that. But Peter gives us a wider perspective. When comparing eternity and everything good God has planned for us, one suffering only lasts a little while. Peter doesn't leave us, leave us hanging with the, the work harder, complain less mentality, however. He gives us assurance. He tells us in verse 10, And the God, and the God of all grace, who called you to his, his internal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I love that phrase, the God of all grace. Think on that a moment. The God of all grace. Unmerited favor from God. Grace that cannot be earned. <laughs> can't, you, can't, you can't work hard enough. God's grace simply is making you right and whole as you cling to his sovereignty and salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you will never be able to work hard enough. And it's impossible to be good enough. And I, I'm going to throw this out there. And don't think you're, you might be able to sneak in to his favor. All these efforts is 100% impossible. It is only by the grace, the God of all grace, who called you, who called you to his internal glory in Christ 
will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Amen. Peter concludes with this statement. To him, that is the God, be the power forever and ever. <laughs> oh, that is a great word, isn't it? Oh, at this moment, I'd like to transition into a time where we receive the elements of communion. Today, as Jesus sits at the right hand of God, we take a moment to remember what he did to make all of the above on the sermon of all of the above possible today. Our Lord and Savior has taken our place who died so that we would not have to. Not the physical death which all of us will endure, but the second death, the part that lives forever and ever to all who are saved by God's grace, that, that's what God was, has spoken of. We celebrate it this morning by receiving the elements of the bread and juice. Will you take a moment right now to set aside your bread and juice? And then we will receive communion. The night that Jesus was betrayed, our Lord and Savior took a loaf of bread. He raised it towards heaven and tore it. And he said to those at the table, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. That same evening, he took the fruit of the vine. And like the bread, he takes a chalice, holds it up, blesses. And then he says, this is my blood shed for the sins of the world. And he also made a statement that this is a new covenant. The old covenant was impossible for us to keep. We would go over and over the, uh, the, the spilling of blood and still feeling as if it did not take. But because of what Jesus Christ did, he died in our place, the perfect, sinless Lamb of God. Take and drink. We are thankful for what our Lord and Savior did on the cross, taking our place. And thanks be to God for the grace, the grace that makes us right in his sight. Out of love and gratitude, we pass uh, your gifts through us by fulfilling your design for us here on earth. And it's where we started. We, go on, we are going full circle. 
to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God, to prepare ourselves, and then to stand firm in the Lord. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Again, Father, through faith, we ask that your Holy Spirit will be going through the airwaves or however we are listening to this sermon. And Father, we just ask that we would be able to glean what you want for us and what from us, what for us and what from us. That we would uh, love uh, mercy and act justly and to walk humbly before you, Father. That we would do everything to uh, uh, prepare ourselves for spiritual battle and then to stand firm. And Lord, we know, we know that the God of all grace went through everything, allowing Jesus to die in our place. All of this, chance upon chance, because you want all of us to be right and holy before you. So, Father, we say thank you for everything. And thank you right now for the words of Peter and for what Jesus Christ was willing to do in our place on the cross. In Jesus' name. As of this time, we are still under phase one of Governor Inslee's, Inslee's stay home, stay healthy order. I, I have to tell you, I'm very pleased by the stories I hear about how you, will, you all are staying in contact with one another. Thank you for doing that. Remember, if someone comes to your mind, reach out to that person. I believe, and I believe you will agree with me now, that that is God bringing that person to your mind so that you can actively be used in their lives. So for now, bye until next week. God bless you.